You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. Moscow, the Olympics was uh, uh, 1980. Yeah. It was I watched and that inspired me so much. That was so, so impressive, man, to watching like a life. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast, folks. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is a special one. It's Ivan Delchev Ivanov. He was a five-time national champion from Bulgaria in the 80s. In 1993 and 1994, he was on the Bulgarian national team. He then went into coaching and was recognized by FILA as an expert of wrestling. Coached in multiple countries throughout Africa. He's also coached throughout the United States. Multiple Olympians and multiple world medalists have been coached by Coach Ivanov. And today he lives in Council Bluffs, Iowa and runs a wrestling academy called The Best Wrestler. If you live in Omaha or Council Bluffs, please check out this facility. It's a standalone wrestling building where Coach Ivanov runs the practices. His son, Georgie, has also been on the show and was a 2016 Olympian. He's involved as well. So I just can't say enough great things about the Ivanov family. This interview was recorded at the Ivanov Wrestling Academy in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to... My man, Brian Carey, representing Crescent, Oklahoma. Thank you for the support, my friend. We appreciate it. A few caveats before we get into this interview. Anytime we mention sports school, this is a academy that was very popular in the communist countries where kids would go to sports school and live there full-time at a very young age, you know, 12, 13 years old, practicing wrestling twice a day while also attending school. Uh, we talk about the fall of communism, and so just know that in Bulgaria in the 80s all the way through 1989, it was communist country. And so a lot of things that we take for granted were not not possible in uh, Bulgaria in that time. So, And without further ado, let's get to the interview with the great Ivan Ivanov. Wrestling fans, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, and gentlemen, if you have hair, this tool is for you. If you're like my friend Tom, who's hairless, he's like a seal, you don't need this product. But if you're like most of us and want to keep the family jewels up to snuff this summer, check out Manscaped. We've partnered with Manscaped and are now offering a 20% discount to podcast listeners 
Use the promo code WCML at checkout at manscaped.com. Introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Ivan Dilchev Ivanov, and I'm with Ryan today with Wrestling Changed My Life. And where were you born? I am from, from Bulgaria. I was born in Stara Zagora, that's my hometown, uh, 1968. How did you get involved with wrestling? Wrestling is uh, definitely changed my life. I started wrestling as a kid and my hometown, small town, just after school, we have a small gym and we go there and play, tumble around and wrestle with the friends and and just for after a couple of months, we went to some district tournament and we wrestled there. I remember even, I didn't have a singlet, I didn't have a shoes. I wrestled the shorts and maybe socks and just wrestle, win a couple of matches, lost maybe. I took third actually, lost one match, but I was a really athletic kid, a really skinny, small kid and gifted, you know, I can say that I can play any sport, really so was so flexible, so, you know, uh, in good condition. And obviously the sport school, sport school coach saw me there. And after that, he, almost, he came to, to my family and in my, in my house and asked my parents to let me go to sport school. But <clears throat> again, that was a, uh, 13 years old, I remember, and, and of course my parents were so scared to let me go, to be in a, in a big city, to go by myself, and they refused him to, refused him to not let me go first time, or, and after like a while, he came back again. Like a year or like a month? Like a month, he came back. He actually had been like, he, come, he came like three times to ask my parents to let me go. And finally, I think he became smart. He brought one of my uncles, he came with him. So that guy can convince my parents to let me go and you know, talking to them. And so that, will, that way to convince them, I will be in a safe place and nothing to you know, be wrong with me. And, they were so scared I can get lost in that big city. I was about maybe 30 kilos, about maybe 65 pounds at that time. I was a really skinny kid. And actually the third time when the coach came and we started talking about it, I remember everything. My grandparents still alive, my parents, my brother, uh, his name is Atanas. And he was there and he like, they find like, okay, whatever you want to do, Ivan. And I said, okay, I'm going. And he's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I really want to go. I feel like I, w- I want to go and try. And I stand up and pack my stuff and just jump on the car. And they took me. And that night I stayed with the, you know, 
that cousin. The next day, he took me to the sports school. The coach was there during the before practice. Uh, he introduced me to the, my teammates and line up with the teammates, and I was the the loudest guy, the loudest guy on the team. And yeah, that's why I remember he put me on a scale. I was like 65 pounds, and he looking obviously he looking obviously he looking for the guy on that weight class. He did not have it, and that was a uh, that was a May 6th. Was Wednesday at 5 p.m. I left my house. I remember, and then after that, all my life changed. Uh, How far did you move away? I move about like hour away from my from my hometown. How often could you call home or see your parents? I come. So the system was uh, if you if you if you in a sports school, you go there and stay at the dorm with older guys, and we have a we run practices and. Uh, nine practices per, per week. We stay uh, uh, in the dorm, and every Saturday after morning practice, we go back home, change clothes, stay that night with with my parents. Uh, they give me some uh, money, you know, pocket money, you know, for the week. And go back. So Sunday, about like afternoon, like five, six p.m., seven p.m. You have to be at the door because they they have like a curfew. They lock the door at like nine thirty or ten o'clock. They lock the door depending on the time, like summertime or winter winter time. They kind of a little bit different. They lock the door. You better be there because next after that you you'll be in the trouble. They will let you in, but they will ask you where you been. You know if you're late. So so that way. Sunday night, I have to be at the dorm, and then that's how it's, the Monday morning we again, all again we start the whole routine. Wake up in the morning, go, go, uh, have go in school, have breakfast, or then come back practice. Go again uh, at the dorm, stay, uh, study. They have a teachers, you know, they help you to as a homework, all those stuff, and study, and then go to a second practice, and that's how that's how it works, and. But it was really hard because we have a, on that time, the, we have a nine different sports in Bulgaria. And those guys who now live in that, in that city, they have to stay in the dorm. So from fifth to 12th grade, grades, they have to be in the, in the dorm. And they have like for girls separate, for boys separate, and then we stay in and have to deal with older guys and they sometimes they bullying you and they have to find a way how to survive for that you know were there times where you didn't want to go back on sundays because you were lonely for your family or missed your family absolutely yeah especially as a kid i many times you know especially the first year it was so tough for me i just want to go and lock myself somewhere i want to cry and I just miss my family like so bad but i i know i i told myself i'll never go back because the the previous school they you know they were laughing at me or they I've I've I look so bad if I if I come back and like I'm no way I'm I have to find a way how to survive here how to keep going that's it that that was my my plan and and there's no way to come back it was, the... yeah it was really tough 
especially the first few years, you know, until you get used to that. Were the coaches like positive, encouraging, or were they like mean and negative? No, coaches were really positive. Coaches, coaches are positive, and uh, they always try to support us, and uh, and especially for those guys who is like uh, out of out of town, they know they have a hard time. They always try to. They ask me, you know, they ask kids like, "How you feel? Do you need something?" You know, if you're if you're good, if you follow, you know, the, your, the rules, and they're good with you, of course they can be, you know, mean to you or yelling at you if you if you if you troublemaker. Of course, that's the that's the they're responsible for you. If something happened, you know, they can be in big uh, big trouble. In wrestling in Bulgaria, I don't think people realize how popular it was. Could you just describe? The importance of wrestling in Bulgaria. Yeah, wrestling is uh, like it's a, it's a, it's on our blood. It's a, everybody, as a kid, go outside and play and tumbling around and wrestling even on the grass. We have the, we have what we call like a grass wrestling, like a folks wrestling, folk wrestling, and we wrestle on the grass and we don't like. A, it's a huge wrestling is the, the the most popular sport in Bulgaria, the most famous sport in Bulgaria. And before and now, still still the most popular sport and and people love wrestling. It's tradition and uh, you know we have a history many, many years. We have a lot of history about wrestling and that's why um, you know good things for wrestling keep going. And so through this sports school system, uh, the Soviet Union used it. A lot of the communist Eastern Bloc countries did it. Um, what was the, you mentioned it earlier, but what was the day in the life? What time would you get up and what was the morning workout? Was it strength and conditioning or wrestling? We wake up like a seven o'clock in the morning and go to school. And by my time, when I was there, now it's easy because everything in the same spot. I have to, I have to travel a lot walking with my back and you know on the back and, and because everything was different in, in different uh places school in one place practice was another one to go eat lunch wasn't the it was a different rest you know place the dorm was in a different place and we almost all day we we're just walking around and try to you know set, uh, follow the schedule now it's easier because almost everything in the same spot and the routine is like a some days we have one practice so the school go a little bit longer but most of uh, we have uh, two practices per day that's why the school is like uh, going like a three or four hours only per day and that's usually sports school that's why the sports school starts september 1st a regular school starts september 15th i believe so that's why we start like uh, 15 days early so we can catch up with those you know lessons in the school sports schools that's why we start always early so would the first practice be in the morning or in the afternoon in the morning in the morning we go in school <clears throat> when you when you have a morning uh morning practice that's always after school it's uh, let's say it's a uh, 10 30 about noon short practice then go have a lunch take rest study a little bit and then we go back to second practice at four o'clock uh, so you weren't ever doing like 5 a.m., 6 a.m.? You were no. You were allowed to sleep in? And no, yes, yes. We didn't have because, you know, we're still kids. Nobody wake up, you know, like that early, but like 7 o'clock, they wake up us and we got to go. 
So what would the noon workout be? Would it be wrestling or to be running and like lifting? But when I was there, we mostly spent time on the mat. We spent a lot of time in the mat as a kid, drilling and learning a, a technique. And uh, of course, we, we run, play games, a lot of games. We have time. We focus, uh, we focus a lot on the tumbling and the, you know, the uh, flexibility exercise. That helps a lot, kids. Now, I, now as a coach, I can see a lot of kids are missing that. They, coaches are not so much pay attention to those things and maybe because don't have time. It's only one practice per day or like three times per week. But we spend a lot of, a lot of time tumbling and flexibility and develop those coordination and good balancing, all those, all, all those exercises, which helps in a basic help, a really good coordination and, you know, like skills for the future. That's the thing I see a lot of, and people who have spent time in Russia that I know say the same thing. Like there's no general physical base for the American kids. Like there's kids who are way overweight and can't do a push-up, but they're trying to do a stand-up with someone on their back. Like they're never going to be able to do it. Exactly. Yep. That's why like an alphabet, you can start from OPQR. You got to start from AB. You know, that's like, it's a basic skill. So you have to, you have to know like front row, back row, like head sprints, hand sprints, like a, and then when you get better, car will backflip, you know. We learn all those stuff just just watching our, our old brothers there, like older guys, like older generation, they're doing it. And we're watching and we're learning each other. Like, but again, the skills helps a lot. You know, they're providing those, spend a lot of hours uh, tumbling in those exercises. So when you were like 16, what, what year was it when you were like 16 high school age? 16 years old. I was uh, start doing being a cadet, and <clears throat> was it like nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy? I was a uh, sixteen years old, night nineteen six, eighty six. Sorry, eighty six. Okay, so I'm just trying to map it to the yeah. Olympics. So nineteen eighty Olympics took place in Moscow. Did you get to watch any of that? I watched Moscow. I Moscow the Olympics was a uh, nineteen eighty. Yeah, it was I watched. And that inspired me so much. I watched, like, I remember what, I was in my friend's house. Oh, man. I, I was in my friend's house and, and actually in the, in, the, in the home, what is the sports school? In the city, what is the sports school? And they invite me to go to their house. And they're like, Ivan, sit down and watch. I said, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. I just sit down by the chair. I, I stay, stay by the chair. And I never sit down in the chair. I, I, was, I was on my feet and watching the Olympics, how they wrestle. Like, wow. That was so, so impressive, man, to watching, like, a life, how the people wrestle the Olympics. And then, like, and that, that inspired me a lot. But so I'm just in general, I just love hearing about the first time someone watched the Olympics. Like, that was your big dream when exactly. it started? Exactly. That was the big dream. Because, you know, as I told you, I, I grew up in a small town. No, nobody talk about Olympics. Nobody talk about world champions. And they, they just, uh, racing is just for, like, for fun, just to keep, keep kids, like, uh, busy or in good shape. But when you move to the next level and you see those guys, you know, eyes, your eyes are open and, like, you start dreaming about it. Like, I, I want to be that way and, I, you know, I want to achieve some goals and, it's a, it's a big it's a big deal for for the for the kids to see that kids to see that, but yeah. What wrestlers were influential for you when you watched that eighty Olympics? That year, 
I was a kid. I was a kid, and I don't remember no, um, from the Olympic Games. I don't remember any names. I just watch. You know what is impressed me? Like <laughs> you won't believe. Man. Like how when I get when I will be able to get the singlet to wrestle with the singlets. I just watch and like man, look at those shoes. How cool they are. Those singlets. Like I don't remember any names. I, I because I'm I'm kid by yeah. that time and just I I to me different things was kind of catching my eye the ref how they dress up the referees the how the coaches are dressed up how the the wrestlers wrestle on the mat it's a nice you know everything is like outfit like it's shoes so like a professional that that was touching my you know i catch those things when was the first time you represented bulgaria at an international tournament we went to at sports school we started travel uh, out of Bulgaria, which was hard for the you know uh, nor normal people. And we went to uh, Greece. I remember I start I I present you know Bulgaria and my, um, my sports school and my team at Greece. I I compete first time at the international tournaments in Greece. Well, did it feel good to have the Bulgarian colors on? Yes, yes, really, really good. Uh, happy and. Uh, same time, you know, first time you were nervous a little bit, and but it was really cool, really good to see a little bit out of the box, you know, just stay uh, out of country and see different things it was really cool. So by the time you were in high school, how many tournaments a year were you wrestling in? I think I think that was a that was a little problem. We didn't have too many tournaments. Maybe for the whole year at sports school. I wrestled maybe four or five tournaments for the whole year. That was a that that was a problem, you know. But we didn't know we didn't know uh, back then, like old school. You know, we didn't know have to have more matches or have to have more tournaments, and just that was the system. You know, that like we have two national championships, which is one is a uh, January we call Winter National Championships. And we have a couple of tournaments, maybe dual matches. After that, we have dual matches, like as, as a juniors and seniors, but as a cadets. And then we have a, a summer national championships, which is like June or July. And that's it. After June, July, you have a summer vacation for a month. And then September 1st, you go back to sports school. So you're pretty much wrestling 11 months of the year. Yes. And then how many times a week are you working out? Almost every day. Like multiple times a day too, right? Yep. Like yep. you said, like 10 workouts? Yep, nine per week. Nine per week. Nine per week. And how? From Monday to Saturday, nine practices per week. Then I go home sometimes on Sunday, and I run a little bit like uh, on my own. Would you have to cut weight in high school? No. I, <laughs> in high school, I, actually, I was really light. I, I remember when I won the, as a schoolboy, First time I became a Bulgarian national champion as a schoolboy, I was lighter like a two kilos on my on my on my weight class. Wow. I just I was a skinny boy. I, w I was lighter. Uh, and then coaches all like, "Hey, wow, you gotta eat, Ivan. Oh, you gotta eat. You gotta eat." I said, "I eat, but I can't. That's you know. I just grew up. You know, I start mature a little bit later and grew up like a little bit later uh, after my teammates and." But after that, when I started growing, the young coach was like, oh, Ivan, now you got to stop eating. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so once you said, you, you know, when you're traveling in high school, you're going to Greece, you're going to other tournaments. 
there's very few people in the country that can travel because during communism, you can't leave the country, which yep. I still can't wrap my mind around. We were talking earlier. Tell me what you told me about if you wanted to go visit a friend like on a border city, you had to get special permission to even do that, right? Yes, yes, that was a, yeah. Before <clears throat> 1989, I was a, yeah, if you, if you travel even in the country, you want to go visit your uh, family or your brother or any, like he's a soldier on the, on the border, you have to have special permit for the, from the mayor or a police station so you, you'll be there that day and how many days you'll be there and you prove that you have a reason to be there in that city because that city is really close to the border to any border like a turkish border border or a greek greece border or any border you gotta have that that permit so once you get there there's a checkpoint the police will stop you and ask you for your passport or the paper and so you have to show them Otherwise, you not, they will not let you go. And if you show, you have a reason to go there, they, they let you go and come back and that's it. But to be outside the country, even harder, you gotta be like a, uh, you know, sport people, you know, or uh, diplomatic or, you know, like a, politi a politician, all those like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And we, we got, we, you know, we, we was a, we was a fortune uh, because of wrestling again to be able to travel out of country and they make us a special passport. Usually our Bulgarian passport, international passports are red. By that time, I remember uh, to have a passport and to leave out of country was kind of gray, uh, like light, light brown was kind of this kind of passport. It was mm -hmm. a, if you have this passport, you, you can go, no problem. But like if, let's say you're not an athlete and your family wants to take a vacation to Italy, could you just do that? No, you, you can't. <laughs> you can't like, what are you, why are you going to Italy? Stay here, we can find vacation place here. <laughs> you, you, you can't just leave the country by that time, you know, this is the, just, there was the system that way. And it what about a, if you just wanted to like open a side business or a restaurant? You can't, you can't work for the government and you know, just received a uh, monthly payment and that's it, no, no problem. So how hard was it when Bulgaria switched from communism to free market in 1989? That was a shock. That was a shock and I will never forget this because first the, the communism fell and second my son, our son George was, got born the same day, same year. November 11, 1989, and the communism fell, and everybody was shocked. It was really hard for a couple of years. You won't believe the stories are empty. If you want to go and like uh, buy a food, or uh, you have to, I, I, I'm looking for a milk, like for, a, for, a, for George, for kids. You got to go like a 4.35 in the morning and go there and stay in the line in front of the store. So when the store open, you'll be able to buy some some milk, all those like things. Because if you're late, it's it's gone. You won't be able to buy nothing if you're like, you're late. So you couldn't just buy like steaks and meats and all that? No way. It was really, really difficult. And people were really shocked. And like, they start talking about businesses and like uh, Democrats and like, 
like what is that how we can run business how do you can how you can make money on your own like you you like all life you working you know you like going like for eight in the morning to five and come back and a home at the end of the month you receive a, like a money and that's it you raise family and that's it but now tomorrow you wake up you're on you're on your own yeah. you're on you have to find a way how to survive and it's it's a shock it's a really big shock how much money was there for sports teams and wrestling like the national team at that point how much money of what for like the national team was there still support for like the freestyle team or was that really tough the government yeah because like before the government was paying for you to go to sports school right yes and were you getting like a stipend to wrestle yes we did that still exist after communism fell a little bit yeah the government the government still help uh but obviously it's not that much like before mm-hmm. because now the biggest sponsor any sports is it's a government we we got lucky of this that's why you have uh, so many good results on any sports in bulgaria the small country only seven millions that back that we was like eight millions and the government help and support everything and take care of everything we have a really good results and huge it's a it's a competitive any sports really com- competitive now it's not that much because uh, obviously people try to help sponsors but the problem is they they now the government now allow them those those money which spend on sponsors to get out of the taxes right so that's that's kind of it's really hard for people who wants to support sports or any like uh, anything i mean we're talking about a, a place the size of iowa that has as many olympic gold medalists as the soviet union in some categories like exactly that's, that's the amazing thing the weightlifting 300,000 weightlifters in the Soviet Union, 5,000 in Bulgaria, and they have the same medals. Yep, like crazy. Yep, that's it. Same in wrestling, I'm sure, back in that era. So what was the highest level you wrestled at? Did you ever make the World Championships or the Olympics? Unfortunately not. I make, I'm two times uh, European team member, five times Bulgarian national champion. I didn't make the world. There's a little bit story about this. I have a, uh, so I thought if you were on the European team, you were on the world team. Like, what year did you make the Europeans? 1993 and 1994. So what happened that before between the Europeans, which are usually in April, and the World Championships? Yes, yes. I, uh, at the Worlds, after European, before the European Championships, I got hurt. I almost, I dislocated my elbow, and I wrestled. I was a match away to place in the European Championships, but I was uh, almost with one arm. And after that, I didn't compete at the, at the, for the world. That was 1994 for the world championships. We, we were to camp and that was the story where I kind of, uh, step back. The, the coaches, the coaches decide to let the younger guy to compete at the, at the world championships by that time in 1994 the i as far as i remember was uh, istanbul the world championships was in istanbul and they asked you know the top four guys to be in the team we went there on, on the, for the camp and i went to the camp and they not even let me wrestle off with that boy they they just they told me you have to come to to the our room 
the coach's room and we were not tell you something Ivan and I, I knew something wrong and they told me they told me they they choose let that boy wrestle because he's younger and they want to let him uh, try how he can you know compete in the world championships and I was so upset I didn't have nobody behind my back no coaches no like a somebody to protect me or to take care of me I was almost on my own and I was so upset and I, I left that camp which was the biggest mistake because what I did I just make that door open for him and after that he's a obviously he's a good boy but we kind of we were like we were back and forth with that of that boy and they, they they decide to let him go to compete at the world championships so there's a lot of politics involved yep a lot of politics involved so it's not just like you go to the nationals whoever wins it it's on the team it's not that clear exactly it's not that they always can even you win nationals even you win like you you beat him on a wrestle off they all they always can choose who will, who will be the guy for the next event and so once you left that camp were you off team bulgaria at that point or were you still allowed to come back and practice after i left that team that camp i was i compete almost to the 2000 but that was a uh, just an, i support my i support my uh, local team uh, as a uh, wrestle just at the national championships i i refused to go to camps with the national team and was kind of i feel bad about all those stories and then i i started looking to help kids that's why like uh 2000 2001 i became as a as a coach at sports school mm-hmm. same sports school when i graduate i, I became a coach on the, the wrestling on my local on my local team wow. the president of my local team you know recruited me for the, as a coach and i started coaching those kids 2001 2002 those years so 2003 i i still travel i went to a lot of countries and uh and com- actually coaching different countries i compete only in bulgaria i coaching different countries how come you never defected i <laughs> that's the good question is uh i have a you know i have a family and I just I just think about it I want to move I I came to United States I want to move but I want to do legal I I, I want to do everything right I first time I came to United States was 1993 we came as a Bulgarian national team to come as a wrestling camp uh Fox catcher and and I saw I saw that you know how the everything different and and I started think about it and but again I uh, I knew, I knew, I want to do right, because if I if I stay, it will be hard to get my family here, my wife and my kids and all those stuff, and it will be really. I, I don't like to do that way. I, I want to do right. But when but that first trip sparked a dream in your mind that you wanted to come to America. Exactly, 1993. I remember that was a like click in my, open my eyes and like one day I, I want to do something different, man. I want to do give it at least better chance to my family to my kids what was your first impression of the united states in 1983 everything was big man street cars buildings was big like wow what like you know it's, it's a europe kind of small streets small vehicles here everything was big those big trucks big buildings 
everything like people feel kind of free that's what i i, I noticed i, I saw it like how people can can live this kind of life man more like to be free and uh, happy and uh, have more of uh opportunities i noticed this immediately what about the uh you know what about the like you talk about everything being bigger you know the the houses at Foxcatcher, the big house had to be so big i mean compared to what you were used to i mean even the normal houses were big but like um and it almost just been pretty insane to see like a privately funded club. What do you remember about Dave Schultz? Oh, Dave Schultz is a, it's a nice guy. We talk a, a lot and we have a spend many days together on that camp and barbecue and every night we go in different houses and those teammates, you know, the guys from US, they invite us and have barbecue outside and uh, have fun and the nicest guy, the nicest guy uh, out of the mat. So humble, but when he was stepping the mat, he's a different person. Man. Something click on his. This don't wrestle with that guy. He will hurt you. He hurt was, you. He will hurt you exactly. He was mean and tried to rip your arms or legs. Everything. He was really mean on the mat. Out of the mat, nicest guys. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, Did you ever wrestle Ed Geesey when you were over there? You remember that name? He lived out there. He was your weight. I think I, fifty-seven kilos. I I wrestled the guy from yeah from Foxcatcher. Okay. I I'm not sure about the name right now. But I wrestled the guy fifty-seven kilos. At the he came to, he came after next year. I think he came to Bulgaria, competed the biggest international tournament, Dankolov, and we wrestled again at that tournament of the 57 kilos. So let me ask you this. How was Valentin Jordanov allowed to live in the United States if nobody else could leave the country? Like, did he live at Foxcatcher in the 90s or he still live in Bulgaria? He, uh, yeah, he's a, he was a, you know, after so many uh, accomplishes, accomplishments he have, he allowed to go out of Bulgaria. No problem. And that we're talking about like after 90s. So he, the doors kind of, be, you know, have been open more. So he allowed to travel out of the out of country, and uh, he came to Foxcatcher. That's and that's how it was in the Foxcatcher. Where does he rank among the all-time greats? Valentin Jordanov. Say again. Where does he rank in terms of all-time great wrestlers? Oh, he was my for me. He's one of my be, uh, best uh, wrestler. He's a, he's a legend. I learned so many things from him. We we have been uh, teammates for seven years. He's a uh, he's a uh, my idol idol. He's a uh, he's a legend, man. He's a uh, it's a uh, as a kid I I watch a lot of you know a lot of wrestlers and when I started growing and um, I follow wrestlers. He was one of the the best wrestlers for me to learn from him. John Smith, Jordanov. Wait, you you watched John Smith? Absolutely. What do you remember about watching him? He's a snake on the mat. He's he can scramble from everywhere. That's why I remember John Smith and and watch him in not just ankle pick. He's one of his favorite movies, a high crotch. Mm-hmm. Through the past the elbow high crotch, like a duck under absolutely. Yeah. And I I watch and and 
uh, and study a lot of things from those guys. So even though he was American, you guys still have a lot of respect for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. All wrestlers in the world, that's why it's my theory, like all wrestlers in the world, uh, it doesn't matter which country they are, if they have a good results and like they are multiple times a world champions or Olympic champions, how can I follow those guys? I don't care which country they are. You just watch and learn mm -hmm. from those guys. And I try to you know, explain those things to the kids now. And now you're coaching a club here that you and your son own. We're in out in Sioux, uh, Sioux City or Sioux Falls? Here? I, yeah. It's Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs, Iowa, right near Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Tell me about your story of coming to America when you finally immigrated to America. How did that happen? Yeah, I, I, I came to America 2000, 2010 with working visa. And we start. And first I came to Idaho and Boise, Idaho. I stayed there for for five years around helping the the club and then moved to Windell, Idaho, which is a small town for four and a half years. And then I came to Council Bluffs, Iowa. And now we we fortunate to open our own club with my son and the best wrestler and run our program now. And it's sweet because you guys have bought or, or rented a, it seems like you own it, this old uh, Masonic Temple building and it's a sweet, badass wrestling room. They got weights, you know, just all kinds of stuff, not weights, but Bulgarian bags and all kinds of ropes and bands. Like if you're a kid in this area and you're not here, I don't know what you're thinking. Tell me about, before we, uh, some random questions. Tell me about this though. So your son Georgie, who's been on the podcast, he comes to the United States before you, during high school, lives with a family in Iowa, and then he has a, a great college career. In 2016, he's able to make the Bulgarian Olympic team through tremendous ups and downs. What was the experience of being with him in Mongolia when he qualified for the Olympics? Yeah, that was a, a it's an extremely important moment for me and to be part of that of that moment he uh, he qualified mongolia for the second qualification tournaments for the olympics mm -hmm. and that actually that was only chance for george to qualify for the olympics there was a three three tournaments you can qualify for the olympics and there's a two guys from Bulgaria, another guy from Bulgaria in the same weight class. They, the coaches decide, let other guy compete at the first tournament. He didn't qualify. Obviously, let George to compete at the second tournament. And if George didn't qualify, they will let other guy to compete in the third, third tournament. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So George knew that's only the chance he qualify, can qualify and he have a, can have a chance to compete. So he did a really, really extraordinary job on that tournament. First, first match, he beat the uh, Moldovan guy. The Moldovan guy take other Bulgarian guy a few months ago in Bulgaria. Tech ball. Tech ball. 
And we knew that match would be really important, the f very first one. Do you think it was a legit draw? They purposely draw him into that. No, no, it was a, the draw was legit. I think the draw was legit, just, just the draw. And just George was really focused and he beat, he beat that, that guy the first match, he beat him. And everybody started, started like freak out. Like the, the, you know, I remember other teammates and the parents there from Bulgarian team. They came like, Ivan, do you know that guy, George Biden, you know, this, I know, like, I know guys, I know who is that guy, you know, we, we have been following these guys. I know that guy will be a really tough match and George beat him and then the deal was a uh, top two qualified only. You have to wrestle on the, on the finals to qualify. And then uh, wrestle a couple more matches, he, he won to the final. Semi-final match, he beat the... Hungarian guy, Hungarian, Hungarian guy, he beat him. And that was the, that, that was the, the match to qualify for the Olympics. How frustrating was it to watch all the shenanigans that happened afterwards? That after was, knowing what had happened to you. Yep, yep, exactly. I was really afraid. I was really afraid to see the same scenario where I've been through. I was really afraid. I tried to support. I tried to and I'll talk to him and talk to coaches and and nobody telling what is going on for the next like week or next month and they they ask him to to stay in Bulgaria for like for three months and they don't know how busy he is here now in the US you know he gotta go in school and have a job and coaching and his wife is here and like but they told him to stay in Bulgaria for the next three months if he if he wants to compete, even he qualify. Uh, but even then, he didn't know if he was in. Exactly. It's still so for the folks who aren't following. He goes to the second Olympic qualification tournament in Mongolia, takes second. He was supposed to be the Bulgarian Olympian at that point. Yeah. The next day, Bulgaria called and said, "Actually, we're not sure. You got to come back." Then exactly. he made him stay in Bulgaria for three months. Then yep. they send him to the tournament in Dagestan, yep. the Ali Aliyev yep. tournament, I believe. Ali Aliyev, yeah, they sent him to Dagestan. Three weeks before the Olympics, so no rest. Finally, and where were you when you got the call that he was the Olympian? I, I was in the United States. I, I missed only that tournament, uh, like all those Bulgarian national championships. I, I traveled back and forth. They, they, they sent, they, we went to Mongolia. I, I, again, I traveled back to Mongolia came back here and I, I can miss too much. And that's the only tournament I miss in, in Dagestan. So they told him after the tournament, they told him he'll be the guy. But the problem is it's, uh, they keep him, they keep the whole team. Uh, so with like, just in the dark, in, in the dark. Exactly. Why? They beat him up so bad, wrestle those big tournaments, those big events, got hurt and shoulder and knee everywhere. Like, I'm not just talking about George, I'm talking about for the whole team. If they make decision like a month ago and tell the guy, you'll be the guy or you'll be the guy. So that guy, will, maybe he couldn't pre prepare better, you know. That's so the, how much more organized is it in the United States then? It's obviously, it's better that way. You win the nationals, you're the guy. No question about it.
But the problem is, what if the good guy loses by a fluke and then they're out? You know, that's like the thing that the Americans say. Well, it's like, well, you know, we'd rather have this guy, even though he had a bad tournament, we'd rather have him on the team, but it doesn't work like that. Exactly. Do you like it that way better? Absolutely, absolutely. The transparency? You win the, you, you qualify. I like the rules. Just set up the rules and you follow the rules. You make the team. By the rules, you're the guy. I don't care. You then, then you go compete and wrestle two matches or one match. You the guy. That's the rules. And like, but the problem is there is no rules. And like, they can change every 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 time. Even you qualify or you you beat the guy or no wrestle off, and they always can say, "Oh, we decide this guy to go." So, what did it mean to you to finally see him at the Olympics in the Bulgarian colors in 2016? It's I. I still like kind of dream. I mean, I can't believe, man. Like, we have been through so many difficult situations, and I we went there and watch him. And uh, I knew, I knew deep in my side, George is not wasn't the same. The George wasn't prepared as supposed to be, mentally, physically, and they like beat up. He, he was beat up so much of those competitions and tournaments. And like you say, like 15 days before the Olympics, they still compete in international tournaments. Mm-hmm. And this kind of was a, a rough, rough time. That's it for this episode, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode was brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off on your next purchase with the promo code WCML at manscaped.com.